Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this daily science fiction extravaganza, commonly known as Tales, Tales from Outer from space. Out, space. Out, space. Taken from the subreddit HFY, all the relevant links will be down below. And, as always, I hope that you enjoy, and if you do, please consider supporting the channel. On to the science fiction. Story number one. How Humanity Manages. Written by Despair. The human floated in the orbital spaceport bar, sipping a bulb of hard apple cider and reading a dull news article on his data pad. He was just kidding time, really, before his ship left. A paculat flew in on artificial wings. To human eyes, paculats looked like a cross between a cow and an elephant. They were clumsy in microgravity, hence the artificial aids. The newcomer ordered a very strong firmament cross porridge. Are you sure? the bartender asked. Yes, the proculat said, then trailed off into a profanity the human couldn't follow. The galactic standard language worked well for most things but profanity was still subject to regional variations. The bartender went to prepare the order, and the human looked up. This had the potential to be more interesting than the news. It can't be that bad, can it? he asked. I spent the last five years mapping 1.1.5 chlora NADH pathways. In simulation, I can increase crop yields by 17%. The Minister of Biosciences is more interested in seducing the Minister of Agriculture than in doing their job, so I've gotten no instructions or resources for going forward. Five years, a 17% potential, all... Wasted. The bartender returned with the paculate's order. He floated a money card across the bar and took a big gulp of it. He shuddered as the chemical slammed into his nervous system. How do your people manage it anyway? The human in the spaceport bars that got questions pretty often. Since bars had started stocking good ethanolic beverages, it was no longer considered rude. He gave the traditional answer. Manage what? To always have such good leadership. Good leadership? Always, we've had terrible leaders, and our current crop is mediocre at best. Mediocre, by your standards, the packet said, taking another hit of his intoxicant. But you went from a subsistence agriculture to spacefaring in under a thousand years. You have almost continuous real GDP growth, and I can't remember the last yiddy technological roundup without a human invention. That happened despite our leaders more than often because of them. When we had our information revolution in the late 20th century, it took decades for our leaders to notice. 90% of their constituents were using the global data network on a daily basis, and they were still discussing whether to think of it as a truck or a series of tubes. And the Industrial Revolution was even worse. Half of that was in the late 18th century England, under George III. The man was literally insane. He held conversations with trees while water-powered textile mills went up around him. The packeted smart monocle lit up with the historical context. He grunted vague acknowledgement and then asked, So who decides what new technology gets funded? Venture capitalists, I guess. It's their job anyway. They invest in promising ideas and get paid if their picks succeed. And they are wise, hardly idiots, most of them, trying to imitate each other but just do it first. 
jumping on an old bandwagon fast enough to make your head spin. They go under all the time. So how do the right things get funded? Well, there are a lot of them, and it only takes one to fund something. Lots of junk gets funded too. Not everything can work like that. What about Wikipedia? I use it myself. It's the biggest, best, organized, most reliable compendium of knowledge that I have ever seen. There's got to be some solid leadership behind that. Nope. The leaders resolve conflicts that can't be settled amiably, and they mostly do that badly. Most authors have no interaction with the leadership. The organization happens because everyone wants it to be organized. I can't be all like that. Doesn't your largest religion have almost two billion adherents? Something like that. But its biggest period of growth was while its leaders were busy backstabbing each other and finding sinecures for their children despite being sworn to chastity. Meanwhile, the missionaries, well, the conquistadors anyway, were busy getting things done on the other side of the world. Hang on. I've been in human cities. They're so safe. Are you going to tell me that they did it without law enforcement? We have law enforcement, but hardly anybody depends on it. Crime just sort of withered away in the late 20th century, despite police force nobody would want around. Our historians are pretty confused about it, to be honest. The human's databad beeped. He glanced at it, slipped it in his pocket, and finished his cider. My ship is boarding, he said. Hope things work out for you. You know, there's a human VC on the station. You could pitch your 1.5 chlora whatever thing to him. Might get you somewhere. He asked how we manage to always have a good leaders. We don't. We manage to never need them. And he floated out of the bar, leaving a thoughtful packet behind him. End of story. Story number two. Hands-on diplomacy. Written by three ducks in a man suit. But how do you even bring the conversation around to that point? Purdy's ears twitched the blue flush across the moor, broadcasting embarrassment for all to see. Do you just, um, barrel up and ask them, is it considered personal or invasive? Ash had the cheekiest grin Purdy had ever seen her wear, reveling in her brother's discomfort. It's kind of personal, but I'm told that human enjoys it almost as much as we do. It's a bonding exercise. So I just, um, ask? Depends on the human. Some might find it... Weird, being so open, but you know the diplomat on a level four. Chris, yeah, he's used to it. You can just ask him and he'll be okay with it. Purdy ran a paw over his fur and twitching at the tail that just adorable. I'm trusting you with this, Ash. It's, this is some kind of prank. Relax, little brother. You're gonna love it. She pushed him out the door and the family unit, leaving no more room for doubt. No more putting it off. Go and ask him. The problem with the meeting with the new intergalactic species is no one ever seems to consider, thought the Ambassador Chris Castaway as what to call them. These furry little creatures had introduced themselves with a sound somewhere between a dog growling and a panicked squeal of a frightened pig. The noise that a human simply had no chance of ever writing down phonically, let alone actually pronouncing. Even the Universal Translator had given up on that one. Colloquially, humans had been referring to them as teddy wolves, but as the first diplomat had been engaged in relations, Chris had to establish a relationship moving forward. There needed to be formal name to call them in a human language. He was pouring through his journals, pondering the issue when a chime announced that he had a visitor. G-g-greetings, Ambassador. 
Despite all the encouragement from his sister, Pony could still feel his tail swishing out of control like a newborn pup. Pony, welcome, come on in. What brings you to my little corner of the station? The human smiled without showing teeth, a practiced gesture, and stared down between a cup of Homer back tea. I am... Pony cleared his throat as he took the seat in Chris's unit. I heard you help my sister with a... a thing... Chris's hands paused while working before he continued. Yes, she asked me if the rumors about humans and what we can do were true, and she asked me to demonstrate. I must admit, her boldness was surprising. Refreshing, but a surprise. He sat down opposite Purdy and laid down the cups that he had poured, which his guests proceeded to ignore completely. Did you come here to experience something similar? The teddy wolf blushed furiously, blue instead of red. If, if you wouldn't mind. Chris laughed, doing so in a fashion that only other humans would find unnatural. He had to be careful not to show teeth. No need to be embarrassed. You wouldn't be the first. Come over here. He patted the couch next to him. Seemingly hypnotized, Birdie slid from his own chair to take the offered seat. I, uh, I really don't know what this entails. I've only heard the rumors of... Oh... Whatever Purdy was going to say was lost as Chris ran his fingers through the fur on his head and began to move them in a circular pattern. Purdy felt his strength leave him, his head dropped and fall shamelessly onto Chris's lap. If his brain hadn't been melting, he would have been utterly mortified at the drooling idiot's expression he now demonstrated. Chris's fingers were digging into his scalp with just enough force to be firm without actually hurting him. Then he met the surface combination of finesse and strength that no paw could ever match. The dim corner of Purdy's mind told him that this was acting like an animal, tamed at the hands of a human with barely a touch, and he really should make an effort to preserve his dignity. Those thoughts were obliterated when Chris moved his right hand under his ear and began scratching that exact spot Purdy could never reach himself. By the spirits... Could all humans do this? Induce total euphoria and barely a touch. Scratched with his right hand and massaged with his left. He responded as if reading Purdy's mind, somehow hitting all the right spots. Yeah, bliss. Chris had three cats back at home. They were at varying levels of needy. But like all cats, they would never said no to scritches. It would have been a surprise to discover that Teddy Walls reacted in such the same way as cats do to a scratch behind the ears. It had been a real shock to discover that they reacted even more. They didn't purr, but they did make this adorable low mewling sound that always reminded Chris of someone sighing with pleasure as they sunk into a hot bath. Much like having a cat on your lap, it was also difficult to stop. He knew from experience that the teddy wolf was basically staying there enjoying the massage until he put an end to it. And he did have work to do. Eventually, Chris chose to point and ended a few scritch strokes through Purdy's fur, smoothing down the tufts of fur disrupted by his fingers. It took a while for the young teddy wolf to snap back to its senses and take its head off Chris's lap. Almost immediately, the signs of embarrassment came crashing back with the withdrawal hitting a druggie after a particularly strong hit. Ah, ah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean, ah, I mean it wasn't, ah. Chris laughed again, covering his mouth with his hands since he found him physically unable to not show his teeth this time. Don't worry about it, your sister was pretty much the same. It's just nature. 
Purdy made a hurried mixture of excuses and left, tail swishing like mad, finally leaving Chris to continue his work. He still didn't have a formal name for the teddy walls, but he had a feeling interspecies relations between them and humanity were going to work out just fine. End of story. And that, my friends, concludes this dose of science fiction fun. I hope that you enjoyed. And if you did, please don't forget to support the author from the link down below. But if you want to support this channel, there are links as well down below for you to help with. But the easiest way would be to share this video. And if you are so inclined, subscribe as well. I will see you all in the next episode, and I hope that you all have a fantastic time until then. Cheers.